The Lord be with you, give you his peace and his comfort and joy on this 22nd Sunday after Pentecost. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. There's a video going around, uh, on, or it has been going around on the internet, showing a woman at a school board meeting or maybe a town hall meeting. And it's not that I spend hours on the internet looking at these kinds of videos, but I happen to catch this one. You know, it is a thing, however, right? Like, the videos that you can watch are, they're kind of grouped into types of videos, right? And so it is a thing that you can watch these videos. These videos are going around of people making a scene at city, you know, civic meetings and school board meetings and stuff like that. And the videos that you'll see out there, they're, they're not usually of someone getting up to the microphone and making a, a cogent, level-headed point, right? It, it's usually the opposite. Because, let's face it, we all like to see people make fools of themselves, right? So usually these videos are of somebody just making an embarrassing fool of themselves. And, and that was the case with this video that I caught earlier in the week. This woman was at a board meeting. I think it was for a, a school board or something. And, and she had a complaint against the, the board members that, you know, they were, they were going to try and enact some, I don't know, some resolution or something that, you know, could possibly be a detriment to a certain group of, of people. I, I'm not going to go into that because that's not really what, I'm, what this is about. Why I'm bringing this up to you is that while she was making an embarrassing fool of herself, she said this. She cried out, Jesus never condemned anyone. And she said that several times. And then the people that were at this meeting then started clapping and yay. I thought to myself, well, now wait a minute. She's wrong. Jesus had some very condemning things to say about a certain group of people who displayed a certain type of behavior and a certain type of sin in their hearts. And you know what that is? Self-righteousness. Jesus has some very condemning things to say about those who are self-righteous. So that woman is wrong on that video. And not only that, but the people that either knowingly or unwittingly piped up and, hey, yeah, you go, lady, you know, they're wrong too. Now you may say, well, come on. Self-righteousness isn't exactly the issue in the public square these days, you know, at, at civic meetings and town halls and so forth. It may not be the subject of people's discourse, but self-righteousness underpins a lot of what's going on in society today. Look at me. I'm better than those people. The way I think, what I believe, and those who are on my side, we have the moral high ground over those people, and that kind of thing. I, I, I think you know what I'm talking about, right? Not only that, but when we are speaking about Jesus, whether in the public square or as that woman was doing on the video, or when we're speaking about him one-on-one -on -one with someone, maybe in private or individually, we want to be accurate about Jesus. We want to let Christ be who he, who he is in his word, rather than apply our own veneer over him, making him into a, the kind of person we want him to be. We want to avoid that. Our reading from Luke today can shape us to see Jesus 
more clearly in our hearts and minds as to who he is, what he's done, and what he says. Now, the gospel reading here in your folder, <clears throat> there's a lot going on in here. And I'm going to apologize now that I just didn't get the time to really unpack these verses because there is so much deep meaning here with the Pharisees and all this stuff going on and, these, and, and everything. I just, I feel like I'm, I'm not doing it justice today. I'm only kind of covering the top, the top level of it. So, I don't know. It is what it is. I had some things happen in the office that impeded in my, into my time to prepare this message for you. So, this is what you're getting and I, <laughs> hopefully you'll get something out of it, right? But there's a lot in here, okay? There's a quote from the Psalms. There's glimpses of life in heaven and the new earth. But the overall gist of, this, of what Luke is showing us is the climactic showdown, so to speak, between Jesus and the self-righteous Jewish religious leaders of Jerusalem. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. And I, and I want to go on a little excursus now and, and, and talk about these three groups of, of men. I think we tend to, at least, kind of group these three, these three together as the common enemy of Jesus, right? Pharisees, they're not fair, you see, and the Sadducees are so sad, you see, and well, I don't know about the scribes, whatever they are, right? Got a beef with Jesus, right, and what he's saying and doing. And so we kind of group these guys together. Well, in, in reality, there are three distinct groups. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are like separate political and theological groups. They don't mingle together. They roam around the streets of Jerusalem in their own separate groups. And the scribes are their own thing, too. Scribes are more like the... Uh, so the Pharisees and the Sadducees are like... They're the, they maintain the temple, and they do all the temple rites and sacrifices, and they, they run the religion for the people of Jerusalem. The scribes are a kind of different group of men. These guys are more like the lawyers. And they follow the Pharisees and the Sadducees around, documenting everything and listening, and then they write it all down. They're kind of like the lawyers and historians of the Jewish establishment. So, there you go. That's who these, these guys are. We also tend to think that the final showdown between these guys and Jesus was at the steps of Pontius Pilate's court, right? On the, on the, the day that Jesus was crucified. Well, that certainly was a dramatic moment. But the final disposition of Jesus in the minds of the Jewish establishment is made here in this scene, much earlier. I didn't include it in your folder because, but just before the verses of, in 20, uh, verse 27 of this gospel reading, just before this happens, it's the scene where you, you know, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Okay, the famous the famous lines that, that all Christians use to say, see, you have to pay your taxes to the government. Right? This is, that's the one that we all use. But, you know, Jesus says we have to give to the government what is theirs. Okay. It does say that. He does say that. But that's not really, that's not really the meaning. That's not really why he's saying that. He's not, he's not giving people a lesson on financial obligation. He's showing the Pharisees and the scribes that they're not going to place him in a no-win situation with their 
traps and questions. Jesus says it's proper to give back to Caesar what is his because, well, he minted the coin for you in the first place to use in your daily life. Therefore, he can ask for it back. Likewise, Jesus says as the Son of God, I will give back to God what is his. I will give back to him the whole creation for him to restore and make new again. So, that's one step forward in the showdown here. The heat is turned up a little more in starting at the verses in your reading here. Uh, this, is a, this is the one about the discourse about marriage and the resurrection. Again, this is not a lesson about how many times you can get married and who's going to be your wife in heaven or your spouse. That's not what this is about. It's an impossible scenario anyway. I mean, what, there's seven brothers... They take wives, some of them die, some don't have children. I mean, it, it could happen. But it's such a ridiculously rare example, obviously exaggerated and contrived by the Sadducees to confuse Jesus and trip him up. So, the family, the, the family structure on earth, this side of heaven, takes into account a couple of things. First, it takes into account death and remarriage so that families can remain strong together and endure to the end. Well, since there won't be death on the new earth and after the resurrection, the question of how many wives and who will be the, the spouse in heaven, it, it's irrelevant. And by the way, the men Jesus is talking to changes here. With the coin thing, it was the Pharisees. Now it's the Sadducees who show up. And Luke gives us the impression that this might have happened like all right in the same hour or so. Like one group approaches him and they have their dealings and then they leave and then the next group comes in and has the... That, that's, that appears that that's the way it happened here. So now the Sadducees show up and these guys are different from the Pharisees. The Pharisees are very orthodox Jews. So they have very, very strict interpretations and views of the Hebrew Scriptures. Not the Sadducees. These are a different political party, so to speak, and they have liberal views on the Hebrew Scriptures, meaning they have a wide variety of accepted interpretations. They believe a lot of different things about Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And I could go on like for an hour on the difference of, of their beliefs with the Pharisees, but the two that are important here is the Sadducees don't believe that angels exist and they don't believe that there's going to be a resurrection. It's like you may ask, well, what do they believe? Well, I, I don't know really. They just, their, their thoughts on life on earth just kind of ends with death and they don't believe in anything afterwards. It's kind of strange. So Jesus in so many ways is saying to them, I will prove to you in a short while that there is a resurrection but you will refuse to believe it and therefore condemn yourselves. Notice that these guys answer Jesus with, Teacher, you have spoken well. Which sounds good, right? But they're not saying that all of a sudden they believe him and they want to be his pupil and sit out his feet and let him teach them. No. What's happening is they realize that to argue with Jesus any further is 
theological and political suicide. They're not going to win. They're in awe of Jesus' ability to, and his skill to debate. And they know they need to quit. Now, there's one more discourse that ratchets the tension up even higher, and that's the one about David. And I'm sorry I didn't get time to dig through this, but you can read it yourself. And, but I can tell you that it is one more way of Jesus proclaiming that he is the promised Messiah, foretold through David. And this stuns the scribes with awe, and they shut themselves up and also condemn themselves in their self-righteousness. All of this culminates in these three groups having a common cause against Jesus and a collective condemnation. This is why they come to acknowledge that Jesus is somebody. They, they believe that he is from God. And therefore, if he is such, then they are nothing. They are out of a job. And they realize that their self-righteousness isn't going to get them anywhere anymore, and they don't like it. They won't accept it. Do you think the world today is a little bit like this? Don't you think that some people won't accept Jesus or even the concept there's a God? Because if they do, they have to concede to the reality that they are not in control of their lives. And there might be some accountability involved to someone, some implications perhaps. These people will receive greater judgment, says Jesus. And that's why that woman is wrong, and the people who clapped along in that video are wrong. They don't really know him, I don't believe. You can argue with me that they do, but I don't think so. Be on your guard when the world speaks about Jesus. Listen and discern. Don't let yourself join the multitudes who knowingly or unwittingly applaud those who speak incorrectly about him. Remember, Jesus has a two-edged sword. When he wields the sword, one side of the blade cuts to the heart of the, of the person and shows us our sin and our wrongs, but before we condemn ourselves to eternity without him, the other side of the blade brings the gospel, the good news, and life eternal. The good news that we are forgiven, that our sin is covered, taken away by God, by his sacrifice for us on Calvary's cross, and that we have a future with him and all believers. That's the point of this today. I am done. <laughs> May the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.